Welcome back to National Board Conversations. In this episode, I talk to National Board Certified Principal. Yep, I speak to Yolanda Harmon. She's a National Board Certified Teacher and Assistant Principal at Northern Garrett High School in Garrett County, Maryland. We get into her journey to becoming an NBCT, both the classroom perspective and the administrative perspective. And Yolanda talks about why she believes more administrators should go through the process. Hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Here's my conversation with Yolanda. Hey, Yolanda, how's it going today? Do you want the truth or do you want me to? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can give us whatever answer you feel like you, feel you want. It's been a rough Monday. I don't know if it's a full moon or what's going on. Ides of March, whatever. But hey, it's great. It's always great. Well, thank you for finding the time. I'm happy to talk to you. You've written a few pieces for us, and this is the first time we actually get to speak. And so I'm happy about it. <laughs> I'm happy to close the door where no one can get to me for half an hour. <laughs> oh, feel <so> that. <laughs> so uh, we're going to drop, drop right into it. Can you tell us what your current role is and give a brief intro of yourself? Uh, my current role is an assistant principal in a very small rural high school, grades 9 through 12. 428 students as of the latest count. Oh man, I feel like what my else? graduating class was that big. <laughs> I know, it's tiny, it's tiny. Um, and that has, of course, pros and cons, but that's another discussion. So like early on in your career, you were a teacher, you weren't always an assistant principal. So can, why were you a teacher? Okay. And then well, why did you transition I, to becoming a an assistant principal? Okay, well, I never wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> but, but someone my senior year in college approached me and said, have you ever thought of teaching? You would make a wonderful teacher. So I kind of tucked that away and I was actually headed to graduate school in some different field. And my father became very ill. My father was a lifetime educator, having worked his way up through the ranks all the way to superintendent in Pennsylvania. And he said to me, because I, I moved home due to his illness and I was the oldest child, he had a stroke. He said, um, why don't you go to graduate school here, local, and think about getting certified to teach? And I said, I don't think I really want, but okay, I'll do that. And so I did some other things in between and was approached um, to teach science at the high school level and ended up doing that for 23 years. And then I had some opportunities at a supervisory capacity and did that for six years. And then the position of assistant principal at the high school where I began oh, man. opened up. So I thought I would just come full circle and move back home to where I started because I was living um, in Hagerstown and working in, in a different system. And it just seemed like an opportunity worth exploring. And I enjoy being closer to the action, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Not today so much, but... But generally, I really enjoy the students and the teachers, and I thought that I could really do, do more good here at this level. And I also thought it would be a nice way to round out my career. This is my 32nd year. Oh, man. Congratulations on making it that long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. I'm old. I heard that. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know how, because I remember crying to my dad the first the first year telling him this is the most horrible thing and I can't do it. <laughs> and he's like, give it give it five years at five years, you'll know. 
and that was Five November years. of my first <laughs> November of my first year. <laughs> but at five years, I did know, and here I am. Oh man, that's awesome! Well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> so you ended up becoming a national board certified teacher. Why did you end up pursuing? Well, I was the first person in. Well, I was in a cohort actually in our county, and in the first group. I just was looking for more ways to grow, grow myself professionally. I'm always looking for just ways to make myself better. And I thought National Board also offered me the opportunity to elevate the profession. I think teachers take a beating, educators in general take a beating. And unless you've done it, you have no idea how difficult it is, how challenging, how rewarding, and I just wanted to be a part of National Board. And I, I can tell you of all the things I've done in my 32 years, it still ranks as one of the most profound and meaningful experiences to, to elevate myself and more importantly, to increase my positive impact on student learning as well as other teachers. And so as an administrator, you wrote a piece for us encouraging other administrators to to go through the process. Something we try to do, we try to get administrators to go to process and it's usually more difficult to get administrators to do it, which is a little understandable. But um, why are you such a champion for administrators to go through the process? Well, there are several, several levels to that. First, just because the process was so rewarding and, and I've done many different kinds of professional development. I have advanced degrees. And again, this ranks in the very top of not only making myself better, but helping me to connect with other people who are of like mind and just continually to, continuing to grow professionally. The second reason is that the, the professional opportunities afforded by the national board through national board are some of the best that I've ever engaged in. So I really think administrators need to be a part of the process so they can encourage and support teachers in their buildings. And the most important thing of all is that I think it really gives street credibility to an administrator who may be out of the classroom for some time. And, and I can speak to my experience in particular. You know, I've been out of the classroom since 2013 now I've done a couple, you know, things here and there. I've covered classes, et cetera. But by forcing myself to go through the renewal process, because I was still under the old umbrella with the old timers, <laughs> um, by forcing myself to go through that, particularly during COVID, while I had students in front of me, students at home, students in the chat, I'm running three different monitors and a smart board and I have a dry erase board. I needed a whole like video crew <laughs> sound and video to assist me. Um, and I think it brings an appreciation to the lift that teachers had to do. It made me more compassionate for students and teachers. And I think if you came into education because you love teaching, I don't think you should ever lose that connection. Mm -hmm for yourself, for your students, but most importantly, so that you can advocate and support your teachers. Oh man, so it you sounds like the there was a lot of lessons learned while you were going through through the process, uh, <laughs> through this latest <laughs> renewal process. There were, and 
<laughs> if I hadn't achieved, I wasn't sure that I was going to go all the way back to the <laughs> to square one, the starting starting gate. No, I can um, imagine. It's like from everything we hear, it's it's a it's a a daunting process to go through. So <laughs> it is, and I I really have worked hard. I have three teachers going through it here, and I'm really so proud of them. And I really want to understand the process as best I can from my vantage point so that I can continue to lift them up and guide them. So speaking of lessons learned, I'm sure there was a lot learned during that have been going on through the pandemic. Teachers are entering their third year or wrapping up their third year of being in the pandemic. Um, how have you changed as a leader during these times? I I think I've gone through somewhat of a cycle um, and I, I've grown differently in my role than I would have otherwise had it been three normal years. At first it was kind of just survival mode and me doing whatever I could do to help my students, my families and those around me, but it, it was constantly changing. It was very frustrating. I didn't always know how to best advise teachers and how to best support them. And it wasn't until I myself was getting really run down and worn out that I realized not only did I need to save myself because I was ignoring my own needs, but I needed to really be as uplifting as I could for teachers because they were really truly burnt out. So as a leader, I began to focus on not um, toxic positivity, but positive measures that I could put in place through my role to support and guide teachers and also to provide them little thank yous that you know may not mean a whole lot, but I can, I can feel the tide of frustration and desperation turning. And I, I, not that it's all my efforts, it's, a, it's been a team approach, but, and then I'm not really sure what the original question was now that I went all through that, <laughs> but, um, but I feel like my role has been um, to, be, to be a champion for my teachers and my students and to look for ways to make the pathway brighter for everyone. So I do everything that I can to do that for substitutes, teachers, custodians, guidance counselors, cafeteria workers, students, parents. What has it taught you about the power of building relationships and repairing your relationships? Well, I think, I think you know from my blog, um, I've always been a person that believed in the importance of relationships but particularly in my role as an administrator, in order to facilitate positive changes or to guide people in a meaningful way or to correct students who are misbehaving, there has to be a foundation of relationship first. And you really have to understand where the other person is coming from so that you can meet them where they are rather than expect them to come to where you are. I mean, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm a little older. I'm dealing with high school kids. I'm dealing with new teachers. They don't have 
the skills, the experiences, or and you know many of the resources. Not, but that's not to say that they don't have things to teach me as well. And that relationship is a two-way, you know, two-way street. But when you take the time to get to know students and faculty, then when it comes time to have a difficult conversation or to intervene when there's a crisis, I think you know much better how to enter that room or that conversation and to guide towards the outcome that's best for the student or the staff member in the most meaningful, in the most meaningful way within the, within the context of that person's life experiences, if that makes sense. Yeah, we get you, we get you. All right, last few questions and then we'll let you get out of here. We're gonna get to know you a little bit outside the classroom. So first question is what fear, what is a fear or phobia that you have? Wow, a fear or phobia. Well, currently I have two. <laughs> I'm, I'm deathly afraid of heights and always have been, although I've taken some steps to conquer that fear. Um, nothing to, you know, I'm not skydiving, not bungee jumping, but I've done some high um, ropes, ropes tours and things like that to try to push myself, mm. but I'm still scared. And the other scare are tick-borne illnesses. Oh, man. <laughs> For whatever, um, for whatever reason, um, our climate, of course, has changed. And this area where I am typically would get cold enough that we really wouldn't have a problem with ticks in the spring, summer, fall. Mm. And now all of a sudden, because the, the ground is not getting cold enough and leaf litter and, you know, dead wood and things like that are staying warmer year round, we're getting all kinds of ticks. Uh -oh. And I have, I have friends with Lyme disease. And I'm not so creeped out by the ticks so much as I am worried about getting Lyme disease and not knowing that I have it mm -hmm. or any other thing, but Lyme disease is the most common around here. And I, I just would want to seek treatment right away. So I'm constantly checking myself for ticks. <laughs> no, nah, that's smart. Ticks are, tick, from, ticks are a pretty big thing where <laughs> I'm from. And so, uh, we, um, yeah, it's smart to be aware of them things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is the fate? What is your favorite item you bought this year? Oh, wow. My favorite item. I don't have any one favorite item. I have lots of favorites and they are books. Oh, nice. Uh, any recommendations? <laughs> oh, hundreds. Contact <laughs> me. I will tell you professional or just leisure. I love to read. Um, a, a wide array of things. All right, so, last one, and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, what is your favorite dessert? Or give us a list of two or three of your favorite desserts. Wow. Anything with peanut butter and chocolate, <laughs> ice cream, and pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. Oh, I like it. I like it. Pumpkin pie is really good. All right, well, thank you, Yolanda, for taking the time. This was a lot of fun. I had some good laughs, and I enjoyed talking to you. Well, I really enjoyed it, too, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity. What a great conversation with Yolanda. I hope this is a push some administrators need to push themselves through the process. I want to say thank you again to Yolanda for chatting with me, and thank you for listening to National Board Conversations. Be sure to follow us on social media for all National Board-related updates, and we'll see you next time.